with all not your truth or kindness, Lord. With all not your truth or kindness, Lord. Welcome to The Notice, where together we notice the mercy of God. I'm Susan Hoekstra, your host. The Notice podcast explores our need to be noticed through biblical musings and conversations with special guests. Experience relevant topics and encouragement as we take notice of how the God of mercy satisfies. On this episode of The Notice, what would it be like during a pandemic to have to be quarantined four times? Join me as I welcome Lisa Hudson, author of the book, Finding Blessings While Fighting COVID-19. We talk about what it was like for her husband to be one of the first people to contract COVID-19 in the state of Washington, the lessons she learned by having to be quarantined four times, and how God took notice of her during the pandemic. Certified teacher, writer, and communications consultant, Lisa Ann Hudson, has worked in education as both an educator and advisor. Her experience with COVID began when her husband was hospitalized with COVID-19 early in March, 2020. Her experiences led her to publish the poem, Something to be Thankful for, in the analogy, poetry, in the time of the coronavirus, which was created to raise money for Partner in Health and Doctors Without Borders. And then she wrote her book, Finding Blessings While Fighting COVID-19. She's also a fellow clarinetist, all right, and is married to Joel, where they live with their three children in Marysville, Washington. So Lisa, welcome to The Notice. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here with you and to talk about this. You know, COVID has really affected all of our lives in so many ways. It's crazy. But COVID has especially affected you you and your family. So we're going to dive right in here to your story. As you describe in your book, you had to go into quarantine four times. Unbelievable. I can imagine our listeners want to hear your story. So let's start with this first wave, when your husband discovered having the virus. Tell me a little bit about that. Well, after I did the research, I found that that same week that my husband got COVID, there were, that's when it really blew up in Washington. A lot of people were getting COVID that week. But before then, we had really only heard of one person in Washington that got COVID and then recovered. So at the time when he got it, we weren't really thinking that it was even something that was happening in a huge way. And so I really didn't think that he was going to have it at all. And part of me maybe thought that God was going to protect us and that we weren't going to get it. But um, my husband is susceptible to getting things. Um, at the time when he first got it, though, he only, he didn't, ha- at first he didn't have any of the symptoms that were on the website for the health, health department. The symptoms that were on the website were coughing, respiratory issues, and fever. And when my husband first started feeling sick, it was headache, muscle ache, some nausea, some tiredness and things like that. And he just knew that he was feeling sick, but he didn't know why. And he felt that way for a couple of days and he, we kept testing him for the fever. Um, you, I think most people know that in adults, 
when you get a fever, that's when you really start to worry. Mm-hmm. And so um, he even didn't, he didn't even have a high fever. It was like a 99 point something. But at that point, we knew that it was probably serious enough for him to go to the hospital or at least go to the doctors. And uh, he made that call. He knows, I mean, he's been sick a lot. He has asthma. And so he um, tends to get things and be sick and knew at the time that it was serious enough that he had to go in. Um, and he made that decision to go into the hospital. But, you know, barely having a fever when that was only one of the three symptoms of COVID, I really didn't think that it was, it was that. I mean, he did feel, seem sick and feel sick. And so I knew that he needed something. I didn't know if it was even important enough that he'd go into the hospital, but he made that call that he was going to go in. It was a good thing he did, it turns out. Yeah, so tell us what happened after he went in. So uh, he went into the hospital. It was a late night on on a Monday, and they started testing him for things. And he they ended up ruling everything out except COVID. And so for a couple of days, I was like totally denying it. Nope, there's no way it's COVID. He doesn't have all the symptoms. And then two days later. Uh, when he told me that he did have, that the, the test came back and he did have COVID, then he also told me that he was coughing and that he was having respiratory issues. Mm-hmm. And, it was, mm-hmm. and it was serious and I couldn't deny it anymore that it was definitely COVID. Having these symptoms and also having asthma, did this make his condition with COVID more serious? It definitely did. Uh, his lungs are already weakened because of the asthma. And that's made him more susceptible to things such as pneumonia, which is what he ended up getting with, through the COVID as well. He's had pneumonia a couple times in, in his life, and he always has to, you know, go to the doctors and get medication and things like that. And it takes him a while to recover. In this case, after he got COVID and then developed the pneumonia, the doctor, I talked on the phone with the doctor and the doctor sounded very concerned and said, yeah, we're, we're concerned that this has developed into pneumonia and this could be very serious for him. They wanted to put him on the, a drug study for the drug remdesivir. The study was gonna be five to 10 days. And they said it could be totally random if he's gonna be on it five, to ten, five or 10 days. And we, I and my family made the decision that we, we needed to go on this drug, that it was gonna be important for him in the healing process and that it was worth the risk since, you know, they weren't using remdesivir at the time to treat COVID, except for the one, the one person that did recover in our area at the same hospital my husband was at had been on remdesivir as well. So he went on the study. Five days after that, they said that he was healed from COVID and uh, they didn't even need him to be on another 10 days. He had healed from COVID, but he was still having breathing issues because of his asthma and the damage that had been done. And so they needed to keep him in. And at that point he almost died because of what that he, because of his breathing problems that he was having in the hospital. And uh, he continued to be in the hospital. Even after he was healed from COVID, he continued to be in the hospital for two more weeks while they gave him like a steroid and had him on oxygen and they even had to do like physical therapy kind of stuff to get his um, lungs starting to heal back again. Of course, this was when it was kind of relatively new to all of us. 
and there was a lot going on. I mean, we none of us really knew what this was about. I mean, we, we, we were all kind of shocked with it. So he was in the hospital for a while, and then he, he was able to come home. So when he came home, did you, your entire family have to quarantine? Was that your first wave of quarantine? So originally, they were putting the quarantine at 14 days from the time that you were with the person who was infected. So when my husband went into the hospital, that kind of started the beginning of our quarantine because then we weren't with him anymore. Right. He was in the hospital for 22 days and our quarantine was for 14 days. And like I said, he healed from COVID and he didn't have any of the symptoms. They, they tell you that you're considered contagious up to a week after the first symptom, I believe this is this is the information that I discovered at the time. I haven't really been into it lately, if the, anything has changed, but they had considered it up to a week after the first symptom or 72 hours after the last symptom is what, when they still considered you contagious. He was no longer considered contagious when he came home. However, during that time, when he was in the hospital, my in-laws, his parents, we lived with them and they both got it. Mm -hmm. Well, um, my mother-in-law has all these other risks that we were very concerned about. She has diabetes, she's overweight, she has um, a disease called calciphylaxis where she gets these wounds that don't really heal very well. We definitely considered her a high risk and she right. got, she went into the hospital because she has an IV so that she can get medication and she needed that IV to be changed. And so she, that's when she originally went into the hospital, but she was coughing. So they tested her for COVID and she ended up having it. My father-in-law also ended up getting COVID during that time. And he didn't want to go to, into the hospital. He did get tested. So we knew for sure that he had it, but he didn't want to go into the hospital. So he didn't go into hospital. He stayed at home. And I had no idea when his symptoms started and when they ended. My in-laws like tend to take care of each other. They live, we have a split level. So they live downstairs and we live upstairs. And when we first got quarantined from my husband's getting COVID, we shut that door and we were not going, we yeah. were not going into each other. We were not seeing each other. It was like, we were quarantined in our, our side. They were quarantined in their side and that was it. So um, I don't know when his symptoms started. I don't know when they ended officially. I only went with what my mother-in-law told me, told me when she went into the hospital. And then she told me that she was coming home from the hospital. And when she came home from the hospital, she, uh, she needed some help. Normally my father-in-law helps her with her diabetes medication and her other medications. And he helps her with meals and things like that. So he does a lot of the work in helping her. And then he was sick. So she had to, she had to say, listen, I need your help. And I, when I went down there, I realized that I was being exposed because she was mm -hmm. still considered contagious and my father-in-law was still considered contagious. And I had her text messages telling me, Hey, I'm still coughing. So I knew that it wasn't the 72 hours later that she um, had stopped having these symptoms and I knew I was <laughs> at risk. And then um, I did find out that because of how they viewed my father-in-law's symptoms, we were still in quarantine, even after our official, our first quarantine ended after 14 days after my husband went in the hospital, but we were still considered quarantined because my father-in-law's illness was, it happened later. 
And so I had to, technically I had to be quarantined an extra five days on top of the 14. So a total of 19 days for my original, kind of original quarantine. That's crazy. That's, and that's, I know that you're, um, you have your, your kids too. And then on top of that, you know, you're a substitute teacher. So you couldn't substitute during that time. So there's financial challenges with that as well. It, the chapters of your book, you talk about um, what was happening in the world with COVID, as you know it at that particular time. And then you go into what was happening at your house, you know, what this was, how it was reaching, COVID was reaching you at your home. And then you talk a little bit about some of like the challenges you had in your faith and what this was talking about with your relationship with God. And then at the very last thing, you talk about how God took notice of you, you know, that, that the blessings that came out of it. And one of the things you talked about, and I love this in the book, is you talked about how your church family came around and poured over you. So what did that mean to you? That was definitely the time when I saw God taking notice that was, uh, that definitely hit me was when my mother read the book and she said that it made her very sad because I didn't come to her <laughs> with mm. what was happening. And I didn't say, mom, I need you. <laughs> you know. Mm. Um, and she lives in Michigan and I'm in Washington and it was, you know, and they were locked down. And so were we, you know, we were not supposed to be allowing people to come across states and things like that. So it might've occurred to me to lean on her with more support if I had, didn't have my church family, but my church family was right here with me. So I really didn't even need to ask my parents for help in that case, my church family uh, they were there for me financially. They donated to my family. They were there delivering groceries and, you know, meeting my needs and that. And they even went over and above. I had one friend who was like, hey, I bet you need some chocolate. I'm like, I don't really <laughs> need chocolate, but I'll always take chocolate. That's right. <laughs> and she like, gave me a ton of chocolate. And I said, we'd like some fruit. And she gave me a ton of fruit. Like, she just went over and above. and I, I had like a couple things that I needed and she like bought like half the store. I felt like she had bought half the store mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and I was so thankful. And one person from my church knew that we ate McDonald's a lot because my kids work there. And she's like, I want to buy you McDonald's, <laughs> you know, that's mm -hmm. something simple that we couldn't go out and do that. She's like, I just want to bring, bring you this McDonald's. One person ordered us a pizza, you know, it was like, they, they were just there and, more even maybe even more than all of those things they were praying and they mm -hmm. were sending messages of support to me mm -hmm. and they're like you know we're, we're here for you they made it clear that they were here that they were praying that they were loving on me that really inspired me to focus on the blessings the blessings of all of the things that that my church was doing for me i really i really noticed god working in that sense and I and they they met all of the needs that my family had in a really special way, and um, I am so thankful for all of them. That's awesome. I think we underestimate the value of our church family, and in times of need, it's it's just great that people came together for you. And it's funny too. I think we all have our own ways of coping. I remember coming home from um, 
I was, I had like a heavy sweater on and a coat and I came, I was walking in, bringing home my things from work because I had to work at home. So I had my box, I was bringing things in and I remember my, I started feeling really hot, like really, really hot thinking I had a fever. And I'm like, oh no, I've got COVID, I've got COVID. And I was like freaking out. And then I looked at myself and I realized I had, was way overdressed for the weather. And so the minute I took off my coat and my heavy sweater, I was fine. But that panic set in. And then of course, the first thing I did was I just cleaned like crazy. But you know, I think cleaning is very healing for you. I, I, you say some about that in the book of how you, you, you just, you started cleaning everything. How was that healing? for you yeah I um I heard that you know that it could be everywhere and germs and all of that and cleaning was important so I'm like yeah I better I better start cleaning but I'm not one that that tends to clean a lot like I I clean what I what needs to be cleaned and like the some of those things you don't think about like doorknobs and whatever and you know there's like the fridge which hadn't been cleaned in a while that I cleaned mm-hmm. you know I but for me, it was um, less about getting rid of the germs because after it, it took me a while to clean everything I wanted to clean. And by then the germs, you know, had already, if there were germs, they had already gotten on me. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, cause it took so long um, or just they may, or maybe they just disappeared after that because it was, it was a while to get through all that. In fact, um, I didn't actually finished cleaning until the day before my husband came home. So that was 22 days. It took me to clean everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For, yeah. Me, <laughs> for me, it was more of an outlet. Like it was something that I knew that I could do and actually be a positive thing. Cleaning mm-hmm. is always positive. You know, you get rid of any germs and bacteria and dirt and things like that that's around. I hadn't, like I said, I hadn't cleaned the fridge in a while. So I knew it was good. It was something that was good to do. Maybe the biggest thing that cleaning was to me was a connection to my husband because I was not able to connect with him every time I called him. It was very hard for him to talk since he couldn't breathe. So when I cleaned, I thought, oh, he's going to be happy because Mm. he likes clean. And I'm like, when he comes home, and I kept thinking, this is what I kept thinking as I cleaned, when he comes home, he's going to be so happy to see that I've cleaned this. And he's going to be glad that it's done. Mm-hmm. And um, it's something that will please him. And so in the back of my mind, that I think that was kind of the biggest thing yeah. for us. And I, I like that you talk about how, it, you know, it's, it's cleaning is healing in the sense, I think, that we can see the rewards of our, of our efforts. And when things are so out of control like they were for you, I mean, this is just, I mean, it's all an unknown. First, you have your husband in the hospital. Um, almost dying, then your 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 in-laws. Now everyone's okay, right? Everyone's okay. Your husband's okay. And what about your in-laws? Are they okay? Yeah, every they all recovered. I mean, sometimes I see these articles where people that had COVID come back and get some other ridiculous thing. But um, and so I'm like, honey, do you have any more follow-ups about this? But he's like, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. We did have um, another hospitalization that we think might have been related to COVID uh, a little bit later. And I think I mentioned that in my book as well. It was something where he had like a rash on his legs and um, that he had like pain. It was like warm to the touch. And they, the doctors couldn't figure out any reason for this happening. They had a couple of thoughts. They're like, well, it's 
could be that, but it's not that. It could be this. It's not this. And so in the end, they said, maybe it's just because of the COVID. <laughs> mm, okay. Some weird, you know, follow-up thing. But um, they ended up giving them, I think, antibiotics and it went away. And so that was really the, that was, well, that actually, that was one of the scares that we had. And then in my book, I also talk about, uh, he ended up testing positive a second time. Wow. Okay. Which, uh, that was, that was when they found out about it, they said, this is odd because you're not shedding the virus. Generally people aren't shedding the virus when it's been longer than 90 days after you first got it, which it was. And they said, but it's also odd because if you've contracted it again, you should be experiencing symptoms. Mm -hmm. So in his case, they thought that that positive indication of COVID was strange. And we never found out why he tested positive a second time because they said, hey, we're going to take this to a lab. And, and this was, this was um, a difficult time for us, too, because this was our this is my third quarantine. I had a quarantine because he tested positive, even though he wasn't showing any symptoms or anything right. like that. But they said, we're going to take this to a lab and get it tested. And if we, if we can grow an active virus, then that means he did actually get it again. And you all have to be quarantined. But if it doesn't grow an active virus, that means it's, you know, he was just shedding the virus and it's no big deal and you don't have to be quarantined. And then they said, oh, our sample was destroyed or our sample was, you know, unable to, it was, I don't remember what the term was, but they, we can't use it. We can't actually do the test. Mm. We can't do anything with it. You have to quarantine anyways. <laughs> so, <laughs> so this was the third round of quarantine then, right? Yeah, yep. third round. And then what happened that it made it four? Why did you have to go to quarantine number four? So my fourth quarantine, I work for um, the Montessori School of Snohomish County, and they are, in addition to a school, they are also a daycare. So they have been open since the beginning. We, you know, we've had kids there and things like that, and we've been trying to take, be very, very careful. And we had picture day one day, this is this is kind of when it happened. We had picture days. So I feel like the parents were like, oh, my kid needs to go in and get their picture taken. And uh, so we had um, a couple kids come to school. And one of them, their parent had contracted COVID. And they came to school anyways for picture day. And when we found out that the parent had COVID, we shut down for two weeks. And then we also found out that the student had contracted COVID. And so we were all at risk and we all had to actually be quarantined during that. So the fourth time, huh? This is incredible because I can imagine you must have experienced and felt a lot of different things, Lisa. I mean, talk a little bit about in the book, you know, the denial part, like COVID, is there really a COVID? And did it really happen? And how bad is it really? And then the, the anxiety of, of not knowing how to handle it, that must have been tough. You also talked about loneliness too. So of all these stages, which stage helped you notice God the most? Definitely the um during the anxiety stage, the denial stage, of course, it was only um it was only a few days when he was first being sick, and then I couldn't deny it after he got all the symptoms. So the denial stage was really kind of short, but then I entered into this period of anxiety because I didn't know, you know, everything was really unknown. 
Right. Well, I started feeling anxiety and I didn't know what, I had no idea what was happening with my husband. Um, we talked on the phone, but he didn't really know what was going on. And he kept telling me, yeah, I'm doing great. He would show me a thumbs up, but then he didn't sound good and he didn't want to talk. Mm. And so I couldn't tell how he was doing. And so I kind of went through this stage of anxiety, but that's when I have the support of my church family and they met all of my needs. And so during that time, I really noticed God through that whole process. And that was like the longest stage, but I started really focusing on the verses that God has given. And I wanted to mention somebody in my church had come up with this idea for us to pick a one word that really was God's word for us for the year. And so last year I picked the word persistent and I felt like God wanted me to be persistent about the things that mm -hmm. he for me to do. And so persistence was really the word that um, I had chosen for that year at the beginning of the year before COVID, COVID happened. So for January and February, mostly, I had started writing down or recording verses. I had them in like a document and I was recording, writing the verses that spoke to me about persistence. I had a list of, of verses that I felt kind of exemplified persistence. And I kept thinking, you know, all right, I need to kind of be persistent. And then when this happened, it was like, all right, I really need to be mm -hmm. persistent. Like just keep mm -hmm. on keeping on, you know, just keep going and just keep remembering all, you know, what God has taught me. And I started and I realized that that was going to be like the key, the key thing that I needed to do through this whole process. And so I put those, I found those verses and I put them in my book and I said, I'm going to put a verse for each day and kind of really focus in on what this verse is saying, because my word is persistence. And that's kind of one of the things I wanted to portray through this whole process is I'm just being persistent. I'm just listening to the things that God is teaching me, noticing the blessings. I, I wanted to, during that anxiety time, I realized that the important thing was the blessings. And that's why I called my book, Finding Blessings While Fighting COVID, because there were so many blessings. And I also wanted to mention, so 1,000 Gifts by Ann Ross Camp, that was where I really started thinking about counting my blessings on an ongoing basis. And it really, that book changed my life mm -hmm. and it changed my perspective. And I feel like finding the blessings, I want that. That's really the big thing that God taught me. And then I noticed that there are so many blessings, even though this is such a hard time that uh, finding those blessings as well is important. And it's, it's more important. Um, scripture is more satisfying and more important than just having a positive outlook, like thinking good thoughts or something. It's, it's so much more solid and so much more steady and so much, it has such, so much more comfort than just think, trying to think happy thoughts. Like it's not just positive thinking, <laughs> you know, it is, it's much more than that. And, you know, I love in your book how you invite the reader into your story, but it's more than just the story. It's about what God has done in it. And also talk about other ways other people have risen to serve during this time. And that, that was part of the blessings to see that. And I want to share just one quick story that you, you share in here about other individuals. And I'm going to talk about piano lessons since we're both musicians, but Cornelia Vertenstein, a 92-year-old Holocaust survivor living in Denver, 
had been teaching piano at her home for over 50 years from the time she was 15 living in Romania. With a doctorate in music, she now had 30 students ranging from ages 6 to 17. But when the pandemic hit, she and her students were forced to stay at home. But she did not let that stop her. She continued lessons, calling students on cell phones and using FaceTime or her iPad to hold lessons during the same time they would normally meet. Students were still expected to be ready at the piano with their books and a pencil, and they set the camera up so Dr. Bertenstein, as they called her, could see their hands. When it came time for a recital, Dr. Bernstein learned about Zoom, and students came to the meeting in the comfort of home, dressed in their Sunday best, prepared to play the piece they had been practicing for months. Programs were distributed by email, and Dr. Bernstein recorded a message for the occasion. In any situation, you can strive, learn, look ahead, and have dreams, she said. One of the parents directed the Zoom meeting by muting and unmuting as the program went on, there were two recitals, one for younger students and one for older students. There is also another success story of someone who could have sat alone and decided it was impossible to do what she was doing before. But at age 92, it's amazing she was able to learn technology for the sake of music. Many people might have thought it impossible to use technology to do piano lessons, but Cornelia, or Nellie as her friends called her, was not like their people. Her students meant something to her enough to figure out how to make the change. Her inspiring story is just one example to us all on how to adapt to change. And I think all of us can come up with some different ideas and stories and uh, the people, if we're looking for them, right? If we're looking for those blessings, if we're looking for how somebody just rose to the occasion in the middle of a pandemic. So I know there's might be somebody out there who, who the minute they get the news that they've contracted the virus, what would you want to say to that person who gets this news or is, is troubled by this whole pandemic? Anything you'd like to say to them? I hope that my story will be helpful and inspirational to, inspirational to some people, especially if they're going through it themselves. There's definitely, I feel that in times like this, there's a lot that we can learn from going through this kind of situation. I feel like something that God has impressed upon me throughout this whole process is that if you focus on the bad things, the things that you're going through, the, the um, struggle, and you allow that to take hold in your heart, it will just spiral you into depression. But if you try to focus on the blessings, the good things, the things that are that God is doing in your life, you know, the people that are there to support you, the love that uh, if there's people, if you have family members or people that are sharing, showing you that love and sharing their love with you, that's a really special thing. And that's something that God can use to show you who he is during this process. You can always learn something from going through some through a hard time it doesn't just have to be hard look for what god is showing you look for how you can notice who god is and what he's doing and that can happen whether it's through a coronavirus or anything other circumstance we have in our life john piper said in his book coronavirus and christ i love this quote that i want to kind of close our time with he said what god is doing in the coronavirus is showing us graphically, painfully, that nothing in this world gives the security and satisfaction 
that we find in the infinite greatness and worth of Jesus. Lisa, I want to thank you for sharing your story with us today. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Listeners, be sure to visit my website at susankhookstra.com to learn more about Lisa and to sign up for a chance to win a free copy of her book. On the website, you can also send in questions for Ask the Host and learn more about other episodes. As always, I appreciate your support. Today's question on Ask the Host. Susan, what made you decide to start this podcast? Well, thanks for that question. It's actually a God Noticed Me story. As most of my listeners know, a few years back, God put a message on my heart about our need for validation and affirmation, so I decided to write a book. I honestly didn't know how to go about doing that, so I decided to attend a writer's conference in Chicago. I will tell you, attending this conference, well, it was overwhelming. I met many people with great book ideas, pitching to publishers. Looking around the room, all I could see was how much everyone was trying to get noticed. Ironically, the book I'm writing about is about our struggle to be noticed. So think about this. Here I was at a conference trying to get noticed about a book about getting noticed. After observing this part of the writer's world, I admit I got a little discouraged, so I decided to attend a different seminar about building your platform. Well, that got a little discouraging too. But once the presenter started talking about podcast, it was as if a ray of sunshine filled the room. Could God have had me attend a writer's conference so I would start a podcast? As I looked into this possibility further, I realized I really wanted to do the podcast more than I wanted to write a book. You see, I love encouraging and talking with the podcast guests, learning the technology involved, researching subjects, and being able to share with what God has put on my heart. The message of this podcast is simple. Take notice. Take notice of what God is doing in your life. That's exactly what God was doing for me during that seminar. In that one moment, that ray of sunshine, he planted an even deeper burden in my heart for those who have a need to be noticed and a reminder of how much he notices me. Until next time, take notice.